This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm Suyuno Amos. I'm Kenji Cataldo. Today we're speaking with Kamala Anthony and Nahoku Kahana from Hui Ho'ole Maluo in Keokaha, Hawaii Island. Established in 2013, the Hui has spent the past decade conducting long-term historical, cultural, physical, natural, and scientific studies of fish ponds in Keokaha, including Honokea Loko, Waiuli, and most recently at Kaumaui Loko. Today, Hui Ho'ole Maluo is an active community hub that engages and teaches students and families through the brilliant culture of the ancient Hawaiian fish pond. They envision thriving communities through thriving resources. Here's our interview with Kamala and Nahoku from October. Okay, so today we are here with Kamala and Nahoku, and we're talking about the work of Hui Ho'ole Maluo. Um, if you both could just start by introducing yourselves and then maybe share with us a little bit of the origin story of Hui Ho'ole Maluo. Aloha, Nahoku Kahana, no Hilo Moku Okeave Mayao. Aloha, o Kamala Anthony, uh, no Waiuli Mayao. Um, yeah, I think that the origin story, I think we have uh, many different origin stories, but one of them is um, that's most closely connected to Nahoku and I um, started with a conversation um, after being away from each other for a long time. Um, Nohoku is actually classmates with my older brother and I'm classmates with her younger brother. Um, so we all grew up together um, in Keokaha um, at Waiuli, um, one of our favorite places along the coastline there. Um, so our families all grew up together and we had you know, been doing different things. She was living in Honolulu and um, I was in college at Uichilo, living at home after traveling for school for a while. Um, I was engaging in some of the fish pond work um, at Waiuli at the time, just doing like water quality. Um, and then Nahoku was visiting home and um, I guess trying to figure out like, oh, should I move home or not? If I remember correctly. And um, we started to talk about the fish pond and like the fish pond work that we used to engage in as high school students um, and how um, the work of fish pond work was like growing at the time. And so um, we were talking about, oh, you know, what's the potential of doing fish pond work ourselves? And so um, from that conversation, we engaged with Manoa, which is another founder of the organization. Um, and we all got together and started to work in the fish pond. And so a lot of the, that initial work was kind of physical maintenance around just moving pohaku around, moving rocks around and um, figuring out um, structures that would benefit that space, whether it be building up rock walls to create more habitat space um, for the species in there, um, digging out mud to open up springs, um, Building the wall, building the rebuilding the wa rock wall um, structures and um, putting in a makaha, right? Mm -hmm. Those sorts of things. And as we um, 
as we were engaged in that work, we were learning so much. And so that kind of led us to want to share that information and us realizing like it took so much work that we were like, okay, we got to involve more people because Mm -hmm. this work is not just is not successful with with four people three people so the way that we engage the community was to reach out to our schools that we attended um, in high school and elementary and we reached out to those schools to bring students down and so we engaged in a a lot of work with the students to kind of just teach them about the things that we were learning with by engaging with the space what kind of species were living there and um, what the water quality was like there and um sharing some of the stories and the vahipana of this of that area and um and that's kind of like what sparked our interest and as we um we it's like the demand for that type of work bringing students um to the site was like really really high at that point I think that a lot of the um the teachers wanted to expose their kids to like you know this local ecosystem because it was like a emerging practice that was lost for a long time I feel like and only little little bits and pieces of you know of coastline were actually engaging in the work um so yeah, it was growing, and there and and we were getting um, positive feedback from the environment. We were seeing lots of the species grow in numbers and utilize these habitat spaces. Um, seeing like the opening of springs and um, seeing the sand becoming more visible after moving out sediment, right? And those were pat- like positive like reinforcements of like why we needed to continue the work and what like created like the space for us to be, you know continue on like we became more passionate as we worked more in that space um and yeah that's kind of the the origin story yeah and like just adding to what Kamala um had to share um there was that fish pond there and you know we love this place Vaiuli and you know we just started to learn about these Hawaiian practices being reactivated so you know and we learned in Hawaiian immersion and you know through our culture that like what are we going to give back to our spaces that we that we came from? So like that was like this is like our give back to the place that fed us growing up, you know, like. um, So like, you know, we're like, hey, there's this fish pond here. Why is nobody taking care of it? Let's do this, you know, like and then that's what like sparked it on. And, you know, like it was kind of it was kind of like, oh my God, we don't know how to do this, like. How are we going to know what to do? But, you know, it's so crazy. It's like until you get your hands dirty, you learn the names of the spaces, like how she was sharing about the place names. It kind of they kind of like tell you it's like hidden knowledge of the past. It's so crazy. And the only way you're going to learn is if you're activated in those spaces, doing those things, because there's not a manual that you can pick up and just be like, oh, this is how it's done. You got to actually, you know, take the time to do it and. That's what even like built us closer to each other, more closer to the space and like understanding how things really function, yeah, by getting into it and doing the thing, yeah. So that that was like the first spark. And then like, you know, like you're doing things in a fish pond and then you're opening up the springs. Next thing you know, limu's growing. Then you see fish outside the makaha, like the baby's swimming, then the big fish like you know like the chain like they're all like 
it's just all kinds of magical things like you know and it's right there and it's just waiting for was waiting for us to reactivate this space you know and bring back that practice but i think from that like that gave us a better sense of ourselves as who we are and our purpose here in our community yeah so it's like whole magical thing still like magical yeah and like you know like i said it it was something that we didn't know and we just kind of opened it up but like we learned that you cannot just open up a something sacred it's like something that you're gonna you know dedicate yourself to the for the rest of your life and this is something that we know that we're gonna dedicate ourselves to and for these guys to carry on well, you know, and the next and forever. Yeah. It's beautiful to hear about um, that kind of reactivation of a space and that it was just waiting for people to come come into it and, and care for it. Could you share more about the fish pond at Waiuli? You know, I don't know if there are any mo'olelo you'd like to share or just also share about kind of its, the current condition it's in. Yeah, so um, when we started, um, when we were kids, the fish pond, like we were scared to go in it. Mm-hmm. It was like muddy and dark and we we're like, ooh, don't stay away from it, right? Like Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, <laughs> like there's monsters in there. Let's not put our feet down, right? Um, but as we, we worked in the space, of course, it, it, you know, it became more comfortable. But um, when we started, when we started to work with the kids in the fish pond and moving Pohaku around and stuff, we got approached by like the, um, by like police officers like oh what are you guys doing right like just moving around rocks a bunch of kids and adults roofing on rocks and that wasn't something that was commonly happening along the coast in Kilka. so he approached and we're like oh you know we're just you know creating more habitat space um and then we have we we had to engage with the county right at that point because it is waiuli is known as richardson's beach park and it's located um it's a pub, it's a public beach park, right? It's it's like known for having lots of turtles sunbathing, and it's a black sand beach, right? So there's all these features of at Waiuli alone that makes it a place where all people from all different backgrounds come to because it's, there's a surf break. It's good for going fishing and all of these different things, right? So we get tourists and lots of ohana and people who lived along that coastline, fishing in those areas, right? So um, the pond is within the park grounds um, and nobody was maintaining it at the time. UH Hilo, some years ago, prior to when we started in 2014, um, they were doing some work in it, trying to like grow. I think they tried like tilapia or something um, and they did put in a sluice gate, but I guess the work wasn't, um, it didn't, it wasn't successful. It didn't reach the goals that they needed to reach. Um, so, um, they had stopped. And then these are just stories that we've learned after, you know, being in the space and trying to understand what, you know, phases the, the pond had gone through. Um, the park is maintained, um, by, um, you know, the park workers and they just maintain the grass. So, a lot of inside of the pond was just kind of like muddy, right? When we removed a lot of the sediment and in the shallower areas, we started to rebuild um, umu, um, which is a, a practice that we had learned along the process that is helpful for um, maintaining like 
like a healthy nursery environment. Um, and they're either umu or koa. Koa are found in the ocean, and they're like these like kind of um, coral like structures and rock structures where fish come to you know gather and feed. And so that same idea umu we put in the fish pond, which is like basically a bunch of pohaku um, built up in like a cylinder form and with like holes all in between um, to create more habitat space within the fish pond system. So there's the fish pond wall and that creates a lot of the, um, a lot of habitat space, but then even to maintain that habitat space inside of the middle areas, because we have um, just within the wall, you you won't, you won't find the, same species outside of the wall in the, in the marine environment, right? And so that's really unique because it shows us that we need to maintain this kind of ecosystem because we'll lose all those species if we don't maintain it, right? Because right outside the wall is too salty for those species. And so we have um, we have the hapavai, which is the brackish water snail. And we have two different um, Hawaiian shrimp, opai, ahole hole, um, ama ama. We have um, oopu. Um, we have the Australian mullet. Um, and we have alamihi, right? Those are kind of the ones that stay within the walls. Um, and um, yeah, we created a awai, which is like a channel, almost like the driveway of the fish pond outside of the makaha. For, and that's where we see a lot of like, all, that's where all the recruitment happens, right? Um, and so, so yeah, we have a, a memorandum of agreement with the county to maintain the space, but that really is only just to say we can do this, we can't do, we can only do hand clearing, right? We have access to maintain the fish pond site. Um, we can't do any like machinery work, right? So it's when we started to engage with the county, they didn't have a process in in place um, to to or a permit to maintain the fish pond. And there was almost like we were getting tossed around because they were trying to determine if it was state versus county property because it's water, it's inside the park, but it's within the high tide marks, right? So there's all these, because they have all these different rules that don't uh, get confusing when these type of circumstances happen, right? So, um, so there was a lot of like back and forth about that until finally they're like, okay, well, well let's create, you know, a, an, an agreement where you guys can maintain the site and um, um, continue the work that you're doing and do educational outreach in the space and, and, so on and so forth. So, but yes, there are lots of mo'olelo um, pertaining to Waiuli. Um, I think Nahoku was wanting to share the one about the Ohana who originally lived at Waiuli um, and how it became the name Richardson. Yeah. Yeah. I can share the meaning of Waiuli first. Yeah. So, um, Wai, of course, everyone knows is fresh water. So along the Kilkaha coastline is like all the way to like Keaau or Haena is, or even like to Kau. There's all freshwater um, springs that pop out from, that come down from the Mauna. So the Vai part comes from the freshwater abundance that we have on our coastline. And the Uli talks about that deep depth drop off that goes into the ocean. So with the Vai and the deep water connecting, 
there's Vaiuli. So that's the name of the place here. And then from there, um, with the Lokoya and all that stuff, there was a Ohana that uh, Malama that Lokoya um, in Vaiuli and lived on that, that piece of property down at Vaiuli. And there were the Ohana Malo. So um, the Ohana Malo is the one who created that space, came up with all the place that passed down the place names to where we learned the place names. Um, we came across an interview that one of the grandchildren shared the different names of the Vahipana within that place. And that's how we learned the different names that exist in that area um, within Vaiuli. Um, so, and then how it turned to Richardson's. So the family got sick with the typhoid fever. And they were like the family that owned that Aina. And then um, a guy by the name of George Richardson, he helped the family. And so as a Makana, the Papa built a hale for him on the Aina. But then eventually, just like the rest of the Hawaiian stories, it got taken over. Nah, it got taken over from their family eventually down the road, yeah. But um, the Papa let them in because of his good deed that he did to try to save the family. And he built him the ahale on their aina. And then, you know, as years passed by, you know, they took it over and that's how it became Richardson's. But the original Inoa of that place is Vaiuli. And the original caretaker's name was Malo. Their last name was their ohana Inoa was Malo. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. And the fish pond wall, was actually the the existing fish pond now. Um, the wall is actually um, built. It wasn't built as a, like a cool pa for the fish pond. Mm -hmm. The wall actually extends from like one area of like a broken boat ramp that exists now all the way to the Black Sand Beach and it cuts through the whole beach. And it was actually built as a barrier for Mr. Richardson's like boundary yeah. residence, right? So that's one story that we like to share. Like this is not the original Kuapa, right? We don't know. There's some stories that tell that the, the fish pond was a lot bigger and was inside of the bay, but, mm -hmm. but essentially that the cement rock wall now is just the boundary that was created for Mr. Richardson to yeah and, yeah and that's kind of like where we have been managing um yeah. you know like sea level rise and all that stuff so it's much more inland where the ponds are now compared to when the families told their stories of the existing pond yeah so in one of the old interviews um they share that the fish pond that the original fish pond it was so abundant with all kinds of different stuff it had lobster like you know, everything, different types of fish. Whereas now in the inland pond, there's only those endemic species yeah. that exist within, you know, those water columns, you know, like the freshwater guys, like a lot of them exist within those spaces now compared to before when the old stories that they would talk about was like, they had everything from lobster to fish to, you know, whatever, shellfish and crab and everything, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, and, and I think that 
some of the stories about Vahipana that we share, right? And the importance of sharing, like the, the, the Vahipanas really speak to the timeline of events that happen in, in these areas, in these places. And so we like to share all of them because if we only share the story of Mr. Richardson's, then we're only talking about that certain timeline, right? Mm-hmm. And if we're referring to Waiuli and referring to older names mm-hmm. that that um, come from people who lived there like a long time ago, maybe even during a time when, when imports didn't exist and maybe we can open up more hidden kind of stories and functions about how that place and how people how people survived in that place so when we share the mo'olelo and the stories and the vahipana of those areas we're really trying to stress like it's like almost like the first step and one of the crucial um like components of, of restoring and reviving and reactivating spaces is to understand what those place names mean because they have information that'll help guide you in how to operate in the space or how they operated in the space in the past, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so the fish pond that's there is actually called Honokea Loko, Honokea Loko Ia. So Hono is bay and Kea is white. So um, by us learning the names, you know, we reactivated the name and we could actually see the white satin like coming back by us, like using the name and like seeing like, oh, white bay, like how is this white bay when we live on Mokuoke Abe, we're surrounded by Tutupele and we have all lava rocks all around us, black lava rocks. But then, you know, from the name telling us that it was a white bay, um, made us realize that there was coral abundance within the bay that attracted this white sand. And, you know, like, oh, there's a lot of koa here, even though we're surrounded by Pele, you know? And, you know, just activating these things and using the names is like giving mana to the space, you know? Just like anything else, like, if you use it, then it's going to be powerful, but if you don't activate it, then it's just not going to be anything. So, um, you know, just like that, using the old names and, you know, giving them mana again and, re, you know, and calling them out like, this is this is the name of the place. This is, you know, so like just things like that. Um, what else? What is like another? Oh, yeah, it was said that the family back in the day, um, that Ohana Malo, that there was a Aumakua that lived over there. And they had like a shark, you know, just like every everywhere has their mo'olelo of a mano in a place, yeah? So like um, their, their kuleana was to malamada loko ia and to feed the mano. But the parents went away and told the kids, okay, like this is your kuleana, don't forget, you get a malamada mano. And the kids, you know, being kids, they took that kuleana for granted and they did not take to feed the mano and then... The mano with a swipe of his tail knocked down the fish pond walls and you know let all the fish flee. So there's stories like that that took place in that space down at Vayuli. And the Mano's name was Ahuki'i. Yeah, but there's like different inos of all kinds of different kupua um, you know, manos everywhere. But ours was Ahuki'i that lived there at Vayuli and kind of guarded that place. Yeah, and that, that Ohana was the caretaker of that, you know, they're, they're the ones supposed to malama that Amakua and, 
they nailed that, you know, they never malamana kuleana, and that was the consequences. With a swipe of a tail, he knocked down the fish pond wall. So just like little, little nits of mo'olelo that, you know, help us to understand the place more, what to do with those species, what do they mean, and what, how, how they should function, or how we should function in those spaces, yeah. Yeah, mahalo for sharing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, mahalo for sharing all of that mo'olelo and, and that point about, you know, the importance of that first step of revitalizing is revitalizing the names. Um, and I'm wondering if you could just share a little bit more um, in detail now about like kind of the current projects that your hui is working on. So recently, um, in the last two years, Actually, February of 2024 will make the third year that we have um, been at a new site other than Waiuli. And that is Kaumaui, and that's like a block and a half away. It's across the street from Vaiolana Beach Park. Um, it's a series, uh, it's a property, three-acre property with um, majority, like 85% of local Vai, um, like freshwater fish ponds. Um, and we partnered with Kaumehe Ka'el to purchase the property. Um, and so since then, since the, the acquisition of that property, we've really been able to expand the, the programming and the initiatives that Hui Ho'olei Maluo has been providing for the community because we're not, we're now, we have, um, don't have to work only under the, the, you know, the public beach park rules we can we have more autonomy over the things that we can do at the on this private property residential area um and we do all kinds of different programming um, mostly related to education um some of the programs include um the next generation kia iloko um initiative and that is involves our um, our weekly like um, our weekly partners, and so those are the students that we get to engage with on a on a regular Throughout basis to engage in like um, uh, steam like independent like steam studies where they come and they partake in a science project that directly relates and supports some of the restoration work that's happening on site um, at our different sites. Um, and that's with Ka'umeke Ka'el and, and Kianala Ahana Charter Schools. Then we have our Papahana Puakahinano Intercession Series, and that's um, during the breaks of fall, spring, and summer breaks. We offer um, different programming um, for grades K through 12, and that's uh, the different programs include Papa Holokai, which is like paddling and navigation and being accustomed to um, water safety. Um, Papa Lokoi'a, which having to do with the fish pond work. Uh, uh, Kapuka, Kapuka Haloa, and that's with uh, working around Haloa. Um, Hanano Eao, which is like Hawaiian art, so they do different things like, um, you know, Lauhala weaving. Um, different type of like printing, uh, dyeing, yeah. dying, right? Hawaiian, uh, dying with Hawaiian um, plants. Arts and crafts. Yeah, arts and crafts stuff. 
And then we also have a Papa Imu. And that's the underground oven cooking. Um, and that's for the older high school level. So we offer those 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 programs during those intercessions and we serve just about like 75 kids during those during those times. And then the other program we have is um, we do Ohana engagement with Kaumeke Ka'il. So that's just a series of, of events where Ohana come to engage in the different restoration activities or we do, we recently did like a, a pie pie at Waiuli um, and like a cookout, you know, with um, everybody bringing together the things that are growing in their yard. Um, we do after school program. Um, and for after school, there's a papa mele uh, and a lokoi'a and a... Oh, yeah, hana no eao, yep, another hana no eao. And then we have, you know, the support that we get from you folks with our monthly kuis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have our regular, like, groups that come, um, you know, visit teachers who reach out, hey, I want to bring my, my students for a huaka'i to learn about the fish pond ecosystem. And so that happens one, you know, sometimes two times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, those are And those kind of are the primary programs that we facilitate. And the best thing about these programs is, like, most of the kids never did this before. Mm-hmm. They they never even heard of alokoia. They don't even know how to kuikalo. They don't even know how to kalo grows. Or they have no value to these things because so disconnected, you know. And the families are just trying to survive in this time. It's not an easy time for the families. So um, this helps the kids to, like, reconnect to who they are and grow pilina to aina and and value for aina, you know, and know the importance of why we do the things that we do. And it's like, everything comes from aina and everything needs water to live. So like, what are you gonna do to function within these these spaces and these primary resources that help us to live? And so it's, it's just like, you know, reconnecting them back to the source that you know, that we take for granted because how the world is just, everything is technology and all these other things when you cannot eat the phone, you cannot eat the computer, you know, you have to learn how to thrive and survive with Aina and how we're going to make it abundant. So these kind of papahanas instill those importance of these, these valuable resources that we have, yeah. And the kids doing it and it's just so awesome. Wow, so it sounds like you folks are really doing a lot. <laughs> yeah. Cool. A lot of lot of different programs. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. At first we um, feel like we like die, but oh it's okay. It's not for us. It's <laughs> not for us. <laughs> um Nahoku, you were just starting to talk about the impact that participating in these programs, what that impact is for these kids. And you know, I wonder if you could just share a little bit more about, you know, I guess what you see as some of these positive impacts and how you're seeing those grow over time, um, you know, some of, I guess, the, the successes you've seen in this work. We can both share. But yeah, um, in our community and a lot of communities, there's a lot of influences, you know. Um, a lot of our kids come from broken families. Um, there's a lot of drugs around, all kinds of stuff like that. So. I don't know, for us, it's like the Aina was the, is the key 
like, hey, you know who you are and where you come from, then that's oh, part of your foundation of who you are as a Kanaka. So we notice by like making the kids connected to Aina and reconnecting them to Aina again, they have a you know a better sense of who they are and a sense of pride as themselves as Kanakas. So like they're not trying to do stupid things and they're not gonna be druggies like like how people around them are or like you know they have this pilina to Aina and that just I don't know just reconnects them to like who they are. I don't know. Help yeah. me come along. Oh yeah, no, that's <laughs> like, exactly what I was thinking. The same. You know. You know, it's um, I think, I think along those lines, what Nahoku is talking about, it's really just providing. There's no space for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've been limited. Like their families, you know, families are like struggling to like make ends meet, right? And for them to even have a safe space, right? We're always just constantly mm-hmm. trying to look for space for them to come and practice these things because those those resources and those those practices are not available to them. Yes, some families, right, they've held on to them and passed them on, but for a lot of our kids, like they don't they don't have that. Their kid, you know, their families are busy working. So trying to provide those avenues and a safe place where they know they can come to, whether they're in the program or they're not in the program, they can recognize these spaces as places that they can come to and that are safe. Right. And I think that's what what's that's been the biggest progress I think that we made is that we've I which I think we've done a good job of doing is helping them to identify like look, Kamaui, these are all spaces that you can come to whenever to feel safe. If you need help, you need you need anything, you need to grow food, you need to find food, these are places. Whether that means you're gonna be provided that care from the Aina itself or from the people who who are at that space, right? But creating these community spaces where 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 they know that they're supported um, has I think has been we've we've been able to do that, I think. Yeah, and like kinda like empowering the differences like, you know, oh this guy's good at that and you're good at this, you know, and like building that sense of community within each other. Like, you know, we're not the same, but like if we all like support each other in our whatever the things that we're good at and when we come when you guys come older you guys gonna be a resource to each other so like building that sense of community within each other um showing them the importance of that you know like hey you can't do everything alone we need each other to do this and like learning to respect each other in these spaces and respecting our spaces yeah um just yeah like yeah I mean, that sense of community and ohana back to, like, how it was before. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, like, an important thing to us and something that we value because the kids, you can, like, you can see when the kids come through our program, it's like they're not strangers and we know that they're going to help each other. We know we instill in them, like, to empower each other, not to, like, put anyone down and to value your spaces because we're, like, if we're not going to take care of it, who is going to do it? And, you know, that's that's the truth right there. Like, who's going to do it? You can't expect anyone else to do it. If we love this place, then we have to show this place that we love it by doing, you know, making that change. Yeah. And we need each other in order to do it because it's not a one-man band kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I think it's not only with 
the kids but also with the adults because because of the like the great support that we have from our community and the great support that we have from many funders that we've been given the flexibility to bring on our own community members as people who are the leaders and the people who are leading these programs, you know, like we've been have we had the flexibility to bring on like all of the practitioners that we can identify in our community to lean on them to be like, hey, you, we want you to teach this program because you're an expert at it. I mean, maybe you don't have experience teaching lots of kids, but that's okay, right? That's you know, like if you have the skill and you have something and you're willing to pass it on, then like we want we we want to bring you on. Right. So we've had that flexibility to bring on those people. And then for for the kids to see like the regular people that they see around in their community, you know, whether it be their paddling coach or, you know, their teacher from school or, you know, auntie and uncle from down the road. And then they're becoming their teacher in these programs and they can start to see themselves in those roles. And I think that's one of the like most like that's so valuable right for them to see themselves in a position like there is lots of opportunity for you to feel like that's got to be you you know that's going to be you and for them to see that it's not so far-fetched and then even with the like the next generation kia iloko us being able to kind of share our knowledge and bring in other people from universities right and teachers to expose them to like the different STEAM, like, education opportunities that are out there, like, how we've been able to, to, yes, you know, focus on local restoration in the most traditional sense of it, but also using tools that are available to us, like YSIs that take water quality so quickly or, um, you know, you know, collaborating with, with the mega lab to put cameras in to monitor things, right? Exposing them to all these different opportunities then help them to realize like there's so many different like opportunities. There's so many different things that you can do. And and for us, the next generation Kia Iloko is like, has been really, really fun for us because we get to see like, that's working with a lot of the high school students mm-hmm. and we get to see like, them get really excited about certain projects like for instance we did last year we did a a, um a project with um fish pens like they um we were trying to figure out so kaumaui is is blocked off like the ocean is blocked off from the fish ponds by a road right so the road cuts right through almost the coastline right so there's no natural recruitment of fish coming into the fish pond um so we're trying to figure out like okay what is going to be our management strategy for bringing like juveniles in right because if we're at Monokea or any other fish pond they're naturally just coming in so we, we ran a, a project with the with the high school and they um built these fish pens built out of like PVC and netting and they piloted this um, their pens using the the invasive species in the fish pond so whether it be tilapia or mosquito fish they caught them they put them in the pens to just make sure that the pens would work and and they really worked really well and just so happened right when the pen when the project had ended we got a call from a friend who had connections at Waikalua Loco and was like look we have a hundred we have 200 pua ama that we want to ship to you guys. You guys want them. 
And we're like, okay, shoots, our pens are ready, right? So they shipped them over. They all survived. And the fish went into the pens. And right now, they like, they're all surviving. They're thriving. Like, we just got, we, one of the guy who gave us the fish, um, actually did a visit the other day and he's like whoa your guys fish are doing like are much bigger than the ones that we have back at the tanks at Waikalua you know so some you know those kinds of, and then from that the kids really grow like oh this was this was such a fun project right and yeah and they're to, like our babies you know like yeah don't touch our babies you know like you know they have the prelina to what the things that they're actually doing yeah right yeah and they can see that they're you know contributing and so now we're like, okay, what what college are you gonna go to? <laughs> yeah. Gonna go to Scripps? Which one? You know, Princeton. You know, it's to shoot for the stars. <laughs> yeah, I'm really getting a sense for not only the impact that you see um, your work having on the community, but you know, also a little bit of like how you hope that will change things for the future um, for your community, and so. I'm just wondering if you would like to share anything else kind of about, you know, your long-term visioning of, of how you hope um, things develop. We want to definitely continue, like the next generation Kia'i work has been, like we realize that that is a really big need for our kids, right? For them to identify, like if they want to go to, go stay here, there are avenues for you to stay here, go to college and to stay here. And then if you want to go away, then you have something that you, something to go to college for, right? Like you're going to college to study this certain thing that'll contribute to, right? And so mm -hmm. we find that that's, that's a need, right? Yeah, like um, they're, they find their strengths and then they're like, okay, I want to major in this. This will be my give back to my community. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that has been, we want to fine tune that, right? Yeah. Um, and the way that we want to fine tune that, we're thinking like Kaumaui is going to be an aquaculture site mm -hmm. where a lot of the students will come through. But yeah, those majority of the, of, of the vision is around providing those avenues for students mm -hmm. and while also growing food for our community and maybe creating revenue around that as well right and 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 being able to um not do it on on a scale where, where we're just doing it but where students are understanding that they can do these things in their own backyards mm -hmm. right that's a part of the process as well yeah like to move the learning to become their lifestyle um how they function within their families and to impact you know the way how they're going they can live for in the future Yes, thank you for sharing. It was really a beautiful vision and just hearing all of the different layers of how the work you're doing with also your 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 uh, other collaborators and partners, it's feeding so many people, it's feeding your community at, at all of these levels, both literally and also in terms of these educational pathways and this um, bringing forward this new generation of Kia'i. It's really, really beautiful. Um, I'd love to ask now, you know, if you could share any ways that people listening might be able to either, you know, support your work, follow what you're doing, um, or get involved possibly. Yeah, um, well, we have social media platform, Instagram, Hui Ho'ole Maluo. We also have a website, um, 
huihooleimaluo.com. Um, you can email us, hooleimaluo at gmail.com. And those are pretty much the platforms where you can reach us or you can stop on by in Kyoka to our site, 2212 Kalaniana Ole. <laughs> That's the best way to reach us. <laughs> awesome. Well, mahalo so much for um, sharing your time and stories and energy with us today. And also mahalo to Kamakani for being patient <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> through this interview. It's so, <laughs> so cute to see him there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, mahalo. Thank you guys so much. Mahalo nui. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me. And me. With additional support from... Mickey! Our theme music is Revolutionary from the band Ukla the Mock, written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. A big thank you to our community supporters and to you, our audience, for listening. Ahui ho! Dim spending done.